0: Get me. From Studio A in Arcata, behind the Redwood Curtain, it's time for... suck tash clips, the original comedy soundcast featuring snippets from comedy... Soundcasts. And here's your host from up the coast, practically unknown outside of comedy soundcasting, comedy soundcast, soundcaster, Tyson <laughs> Sander. 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 Sander.
1: Saluton. As does me, Tyson Saner, your host and extremely anxious new father for the duration of this episode of Suckatash, the Comedy Soundcast Soundcast. I'm writing this late at night, and probably recording it during the daytime, depending on whether or not I'm stage whispering or speaking at a more comfortable, easy volume. Thank you for listening. In addition to clips, I've got other special content for you. I've received submissions, ladies and otherwise, and I couldn't be happier about that. But you may not be able to tell through my stage whisper or perhaps I'll be at a comfortable volume and that joke won't land the right way. Maybe I won't read this line, and it will still be on the blog at www.suckatashow.com as an Easter egg. Well, I have to read it now. Anyway, let me take you on a journey through our menu of items tonight. We've got a double dose of Raging Moderate Will Durst's Burst a Durst segment. We've got another reading from our wonderful fake sponsor, Trumpoetry.com, which is a 100% real website that I'm sure will be linked somewhere here because it's awesome. It's a brilliant and eloquent achievement of what poetry is supposed to do for people who read it and write it when times are uncertain, or more certain, or less certain. It's supposed to put that in perspective. And occasionally, it's supposed to remind us that 2 plus 2 is indeed 4, even if some folks want you to not only believe, but state openly that it is 5. That's what I suppose. But I am no expert. I'm going to list the clips purely for presentation order here, and then I'll explain a couple things after that, presumably. I've got clips from... Dylan Brody's Neighbor's Couch Revisited, The Rad Dude Cast, The Slash Film Cast, Not a Huge Fan, and Hotboxin' with Mike Tyson. Okay, so I've been using the Laughable app a lot lately because I really don't have as much time to hunt for sounds around the internet as I used to, and it makes it easier for me to find the specific content that I look for, which in this case is Comedy Soundcasts. It has featured comedians of the day, and if I search for a specific comedian, it will show me a list of podcasts that the comedian is associated with in some fashion. In other words, host, guest, producer, spokesmodel. Anyway, it's a useful tool. Three of the soundcasts you hear clips from tonight were found with the help of the Laughable app. Two of our clip segments feature those submissions I mentioned before and i am very grateful for. Let me say a thank you up here at the top of the show, to Darren Staley and Dylan Brody of Dylan Brody's Neighbor's Couch Revisited, and Charles Disney, of Not a Huge Fan, for their submitted contributions. I will explain more as we go. Before the clippage, it's our first bersu Durst for the program. From March 24, 2019, Mueller Strikes Out, in which our intrepid correspondent muddies the water by tossing out a few archaic bromides about the Muller report.
2: Hey guys, Will Durst here with a few choice words about the Mueller report. And those words are, it's a big swing and a miss. The mighty Mueller has struck out. The special counsel's investigations have been filed and reportedly found no conspiracy between Donald Trump's campaign and the Russians, which has caused Republicans to toast each other with champagne and cigars, while Democrats have wilted like freshly cut lilies placed in the back window of a Mustang convertible at the Wisconsin State Fair the entire second week of August. We have witnessed a series of historical disappointments in our lifetime where the build-up far exceeds the actual event. Like the comic Kahootek, George McGovern, Michael Jordan as a baseball player, Interview with a Vampire of the Play, Al Capone's Vault, The Jetpack, Howard the Duck, Star Wars Episode I, Theranos, Season 2 of True Detective, The Galaxy 7, Ryan Leaf, Google Glass, and my comedy career. But this event is destined to take an honored position at the top of that list. Robert Mueller himself said this probe is not an exoneration of Trump's possible obstruction of justice, but no one's really sure what's in the report. Trump's new attorney general, William Barr, doesn't look like he's inclined to release any of it except a few heavily redacted prepositions and maybe a random conjunction— patting Congress on the head and saying, don't worry, nothing to see here, just move along. But it's doubtful House Democrats are going to go gentle into that good night. Meanwhile, the president is so happy he's dancing little pirouettes of joy, chanting, no collusion, total vindication, like a parrot with Tourette's syndrome. He's also changed his tune on the special counsel, honorable man, great American. Wouldn't be surprised if he invites Robert Muller down to Mar-a-Lago for a golf excursion. Of course, he'd probably still cheat. For Succotash, the comedy soundcast, soundcast, I'm Will Durst.
1: Okay, let's dig into the soundcast clip section. Right? Right. Recently, myself and former host, now executive producer Mark Hirschhorn, were guests on Dylan Brody's Neighbor's Couch Revisited, a podcast about a podcast, as it calls itself. It's hosted by longtime podcast personalities Darren Staley and comedian Dylan Brody, whose names would be familiar to longtime listeners to Succotash, the Comedy Soundcast, Soundcast, as well as anyone who just heard me mention them in the introduction that I wrote after having written everything before the sentence up to the word recently. Now, Darren Staley, who is Krobama on Twitter, using our hightail upload link, sent along two classic clips from Dylan Brody's Neighbor's Couch, a podcast he has resurrected, hence the revisited part of the title. I'm going to play these back-to-back with a small break between for setup purposes. In the first clip, Dylan Brody and Greg Shoemaker had a falling out years ago, which leads to a great discussion of comedic responsibility in a sensitive world, and her humble host is deemed unhelpful to the exchange. <laughs> hmm. At the same time that those of us who are hyperconscious conscious of
3: uh, language that we might find offensive need to be careful about how we approach people about language that we find offensive, mm-hmm. uh, I think we, as people who sometimes get corrected, on our language. And I can give you an example of this. You need to be open to the idea that we are already working from our own unconscious biases and sometimes we need to adjust our language because we are suddenly informed it's being perceived other than how we intended.
4: Um, mm-hmm. have I and that's you? also vice versa. It's, it's how yeah. you're seeing a performance is also you have been informed in a certain way and accepted certain mores and standards and so on so you're also yeah. seeing it through your own lens and maybe even a sensitive lens to these things which I have always said I had a big discussion five hours with my friend the other day five hours where it got very very heavy and I've always believed that sometimes these are projections of things we don't want to see in ourselves <laughs> maybe, we, maybe we used to be like that or maybe we have thought these things and that's what I've always believed that we're all one on the planet And sometimes we don't like our own reflection. There
3: was a joke I had to change in my act. And there are comics who argue with me on this because I changed it from a funnier joke to a better joke. Mm -hmm. And there are comics who don't believe that that is possible.
4: Uh, Oh, I I absolutely believe that. And sometimes, you know, you doing that might have lit something inside of me that I didn't see. You know, again, comics shine the light. And it's your choice whether you're going to see it, and and you know maybe I don't remember the jokes in particular, but maybe I did change something. When you are hearing, when people's intent is to assist you and help you and not call you out or shame you, that's the intent that's important, I think.
3: I I think I was just a dick that day. Um, <laughs> I don't I don't think my intent was at all clear. I think my intent was um, just fuck everybody. I wasn't on stage. Someone else was. I hate that.
5: Um, if, 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 if I could jump in briefly, Craig thought, no. you were intent, you, Craig thought your intent was being a dick, too. Um, Carry okay, on. As long, as long as we're
3: all on the same page <laughs> about my kids. How
4: uh, do you know that? I, did I tell you that? No, no. You didn't tell me that. Oh, you're reading, reading my mind, mind now. Okay. All right. Okay. I didn't yeah. know that uh, was the podcast, was the mind-reading <laughs> podcast.
1: <laughs> all right. And the second clip. Kelly Carlin talks about when Twitter, circa 2012, was a time when you could talk to any random celebrity and say, hey, you want to chat with a random guy on a thing called a podcast over the phone? And they would just say, sure, kind of the Wild West of celebrity interviews on a podcast. Now, having listened to the episodes that you've heard clipped here, I was delighted to remember those conversations through hearing these specific clips again. So thank you, Darren Staley and Dylan Brody, and thanks to our executive producer, Mark Hershon, for setting up the introduction with myself. And the folks at Dylan Brody 's neighbor's country visited back at the time i'd only known Kelly through Twitter,
5: and probably not even for a year, probably just I think it was about five or six months in, maybe close to a year when I came up with the idea for the for the podcast of, that was inspired by Dylan. Uh, you did know Dylan at that time pretty well. I'm just kind of wondering, do you do you have any memories, Kelly, of the time, like, you know, what in the hell are Dylan and this Crowbama person doing here? There's a couch, and now all of a sudden, Phil Rosenthal is here, and <laughs> yeah, did, 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 did you ever think what the, what, what were your initial kind of thoughts? Were you like, what the hell is this, or?
6: Um. You know, it was so interesting because during those early Twitter years, when it was still a magical kingdom, wow. uh, <laughs> and, and there was a and there was a lot of kind of interesting magic happening in my life because of the people I was meeting via Twitter and even Facebook. But it, it was like this. It's like this whole world had opened up to me, and so there was this level of like. Uh, like literal magic that would happen and then and you were part of that early crowd and we would all hang out late nights on twitter and it really felt like we were sitting in a room together just shooting the shit and it it i just saw it as another like vortex in this wild space where we could talk to anybody any celebrity any hero anybody And sometimes it clicked, sometimes it didn't. And I know that, you know, our relationship um, was very special at the beginning because we were talking about panic attacks and agoraphobia and all that kind of stuff. And, And I know, you know, something, I just, it was just part of that thing. And so when it happened... It was, yeah, part of it was like, what the hell is going on? And the other part was, and it makes perfect sense.
5: Wow. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, 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 it's so crazy. I, I was thinking about this on the ride home from work today, now that I have a, a real job. It oh, makes me almost <laughs> want to throw up. But but I, I kind of, I had a, I had a memory today. Um, Ed Bakley Jr. was on the was on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And, which was crazy massive for, for what it was. Um, and he was telling me, like, just in a a regular, just like this was something that I could make happen in five minutes. He said, you know, and, of course, the, this, is, this is in a different context now because we know some things we didn't know at the time, but he said, you know who you should have on your podcast? And I was like, he said, Kevin Spacey. He does great impressions. You should, you should, you should give him. You you should give Kevin Spacey a call because um, he's so much fun. And I was like, dude, I don't even know what the fuck you're doing on here. And now you think I'm gonna just pick up the phone and call Kevin Spacey. So it, it was. It, it it was just. It was just such. Like you said, just such a. A, a, a crazy time, a crazy moment, and, and that's kind of, you know, this, this new, the, the revision podcast is just kind of looking back on that, on that moment and how you know, Dylan and I talked about this, Paul and I talked about
1: this. You know, Twitter was just something for, for a little circle of us. All right, and here's that clip of Mark Hershon and myself as guests on Dylan Brody's Neighbor's Couch Revisited As Promised. From the episode posted March 29th, 2019, entitled Dylan Succotash."
5: Let's go ahead and bring in um, Tyson Sainer, who is the current host of Succotash. How did uh, we talked about this? We, we usually talk about Tyson off air. Um, <laughs> so, so even though Mark has told me this story off air, how did you come into the, uh, the Succotash world? And, and were you briefed on the couch? that didn't exist when you did come on before you came on?
1: Uh, honestly, I, yeah, I was not, I was not briefed about the couch. I had not heard uh, <laughs> about it, except on the clips on the show, I believe. Uh, that it, um, uh, how I, how I started intersecting with Succotash is that I was uh, doing some video clips for YouTube for a show called combat radio and uh, Com- combat radio gave uh, Succotash a shout out, well, on a show and uh you know and mentioned mark hirsch and in fact actually mark hirsch had been a guest on succotash i mean sorry at, on combat radio at some point so i i uh i was i said yeah should you check out the show and i thought yeah i'll do that and so i i went to you know itunes and there'd been quite a few episodes by that point but i started listening from the beginning because that's what i do when i come across a new podcast usually uh, that's what i used to do anyway um and and I just I don't know there were maybe oh there had to be like 50 up by that point or something or pretty close to it I feel like and so I just started listening to them I had I had the time and um, I really I really enjoyed it and then I noticed that uh, occasionally Mr Hirshon, Mark would start uh, would would say that you know it uh, not very many people are submitting clips but people were submitting clips certainly they are just you know and that kind of thing and I thought well shoot I I, can, I listen to other other podcasts or soundcasts, as as uh, Katash started calling them eventually. Um, why don't I do that? So I think I sent in two at first or something just because they were yeah. available from, two, from two different shows that I was listening to. I think one probably was uh, was uh, Nooner over on the uh, Kevin Smith's uh, Smodcast Internet Radio. And I don't remember what the other one was. Might have been Tell Him, Steve, Dave, or one of the other shows that was on there on that network. It's uh, it, it feels like that's probably what it was. And, I think you're uh, right.
3: I'd like to claim it was Waking from the American Dream um, oh, yeah. it could have been.
1: Kel- podcast
3: Kel- that I Kel- always support when I can.
1: Kelly Carlins, yeah. I, I actually uh, had her on as a guest, and we're sort of friends now, and played clips a number of times from her show. love that show. It's a great show, and she was a great guest. on. Uh, I had heard her on uh, Kevin's podcast. Uh, uh, morning show other than that it was uh, i don't remember which probably the smod coast morning show or something like that or maybe it was plus one per diem at the time uh, that show is now not really in production but uh yeah she she came through there and she sounded she was fantastic i loved uh, listening to her I heard she was going to have a podcast so i did start listening to those early ones um wow i do run my mouth when encouraged to don't i i'm at peace with that however because speaking is a plus on soundcasts and i need the practice clearly. So if you would like to have me as a guest on your soundcast, you have a taste of what it would be like. Thank you again to Darren Staley for sending those clips. There is one small thing, and I hate to mention it. In the episode description of Dylan Suckatash, in which the audio of myself going on and on can be heard, it lists me as Tyler Saner. It's interesting because, according to my parents, I was very nearly a Tyler, but it was not to be. Anyway, it's no biggie, and it gave me the opportunity to talk about my parents for a second, so that's cool. Next up, the Rad Dudecast by Anthony Devito, Brendan Ayer, and Greg Stone. Its description reads: A comedy podcast featuring New York stand-up comedians and best friends Anthony Devito, Brendan Ayer, and Greg Stone. The Rad Dudecast is part wild improv and part off the rails comedy writers' room. Is it satire? Is it parody? Or is it the only true thing you've ever heard? How do jokes form? What makes something funny? Find out on the Rad Dudecast, recorded at Remember to Be Happy Studios in Brooklyn. And you can get bonus episodes by going to the Patreon, which I'll mention later. The clip is from episode 220, entitled It's Racially Enhanced. It was released April 2nd, 2019, in which... Greg got a new character from Scotland, and the boys break down how to podcast. And Brendan talks about his album recording.
7: Let's clearly yes, let's clearly, yeah, Brendan, give us a new topic to talk about. Well, Brendan no, was going to talk
8: about no, his uh, why don't morning. Why you continue talking about Jews? Go ahead. <laughs> why are you yelling at me? I was only not, half I'm on a... board.
7: <laughs> <laughs> uh, You're going to talk to us about morning news. Oh yeah, so morning snooze.
8: I was fine.
7: It's uh, hurtful. What? Good morning snooze. You're calling my s- story a snooze. No, I'm calling the morning news The morning yeah, he Yeah, mo- that was oh, more an attack. I like an action a- movie. I like to wake up to a Rampage with the Rook. So I find. I watch it every morning. <laughs> I always
8: find when you do promotional radio, <laughs> mm. even if the guys are uh, yeah. annoying, mm. even if they're annoying, they know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Like even when they suck and it's boring, Mm -hmm. they know to set you up to be funny. Mm -hmm. I never find that often. Very rarely is that case with the news. Like I've only done the news, I think, like five times. Mm -hmm. Most places, most clubs don't have you do the news anymore. Mm -hmm. But like I I think I've done it like five times. And they, uh, they just, the news guys, they're not used to dealing with comedians. So they don't like, they don't give you space to be funny and they don't. Fucking play off anything Mm. And so this guy Was just He Frank Was just Cutting me off Like just asking me These questions About where I grew up Mm. But like then Immediately cutting me off You know So I couldn't be funny Mm. So then I said I was trying to Lighten the mood Because their bathroom Was broken You know And uh I really had to pee, mm. you know, and I go, Frank, I got to be honest, your bathroom's broken. I've never had to pee this badly on live television, you know, mm. which is not that funny. No, that's great. But lighten it up a little yeah. bit. Let's get the subject matter sure. onto something. Let's get this a little weird, mm. Frank. You know what I mean? Mm. And then Frank doesn't even crack a smile and just looks at me for a second and then goes, do you often find that when you're performing comedy, the audience has to get up to urinate? <clears throat> and just wow. look,
7: it just looks... <laughs> I mean, ice king, right there.
8: The ice king. And I go, Frank, I, go, the I ice. go, yeah, but not any more than any other comedian. I don't know what you're trying to say.
6: <laughs> like, I
8: don't know what kind of dig this is. I'm a yes. pee-related comedian. Yeah, they do, but I don't uh, I don't know what you're trying to insinuate. But, yeah, just the normal fucking mm. amount.
7: Yeah, equal. Your dick. Equal. Like, yeah, equal. equal. Pee. They be, we're selling drinks there. Yeah, they mm. pee, but they come back. Stone people like to take a big old deuce. <laughs> My crowd, fifteen minutes through, they take big shits. The whole crowd. And I, I do an in, I do an interval. Yeah, <laughs> Craig does a ship break. I do an Every interval. One of his I steps. do a compere. <laughs> it's French for interval. Compere. Compere. I learned French in Scotland too. One guy. Really? I don't know. What's your name? Brendan. Great. <laughs> I'm not breaking character. The whole podcast. Th- that's fine. All right. That's yeah, uh, who I, I am now, <laughs> and you must accept me. Uh, I <laughs> do. I, Open yeah. arms. I'm into it. Yeah. Now. <laughs> I like uh... it. it also makes me talk less because I have to think about it. <laughs> right, <laughs> so right. I think that helps the podcast.
8: <laughs> what? Uh, can you tell us a little something about uh, what? Uh, give us a little rundown on what you did in Scotland, Oi.
7: Did a lot. Went to a bunch of uh, action figure stores. I went to this place. <laughs> <laughs> they do. They have a lot of toy stores there. I bought a professor Xavier. Some guy. Uh, we have to shout out to Widmit Minky, Wid Matty Matt, Matt came yeah, to the sounds, show. Winky. Sounds, sounds, on sounds accurate. Yeah. Sounds yes. like.
8: Sounds like we'll definitely get him some followers. <laughs> Wimmati. Wid- Minky. Matt. 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 Wiminki. Matt. Matt.
7: Matt came to the store. He uh, may Scottish. Little Scottish lad, like actual Scotland lad. He came. to the show and he goes, um, he as I came to see Radudkas, big fan. I said, Great. He brought me two comic books and he goes, I don't know anything about comic books. So I just picked any two <laughs> <laughs>
9: and he gave me two random comic books. <laughs> one Luke
7: Cage, great, one The Origin of Wolverine's son. Nobody gives a shit. But I was so happy that he went, I just popped into a comic book store, picked anything, gave it to me he goes, Hope it's worth money. And I went <laughs> And I go to him I go, Well what do you mean he came three piece suit, looking great. A vest, beautiful shirt Great pants, got his gr- Greek girlfriend, and I go, uh, <laughs> "You look great." He goes, "These are my fancies." <laughs> and I was like, "I love your fancies." He goes, "Usually I don't. Usually I look a little." <laughs> I'm in my fancies for the red dude cast. I'm a forester. He cut down trees. I go, "Aye, you, ay, you get a little action in there." He goes, "Aye, fuck a squirrel, fuck a bear, fuck my wife. Who cares?" <laughs> Half of that story was made up. <laughs> <laughs> you could pick which one. Well, Rand, <laughs> Rand ran Paul,
8: ran, no, Ran at Barn, Paul in Cincinnati's mm, already got. I- he's already got a place set up to take you. He said, "There's a guy. There's a guy at the flea market. Ooh, that's got. He's got every uh, every Marvel legend there ever was, plus a, a, just a, a um, giant bin full of." Spare parts, and then another giant bin full of every build a figure part oh, ever I, made. And he, oh, goes, I, he goes, "I'm taking Greg there already." I said, "Don't bother. He's already
7: got it." I, th- I tell you this: I have every Marvel legend ever made, <laughs> but the spare parts turns me on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can use a couple extra hands, a couple arms. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's what I like. Yeah, but yeah, yeah.
1: make my own custom six figure six armed man. Now you can find that Patreon at patreon.com forward slash raddudecast, that is R-A-D-D-U-D-E-C-A-S-T. The show can be reached on Twitter and Instagram at the theraddudecast, which is T-H-E-R-A-D-D-U-D-E-C-A-S-T. Anthony DeVito can be reached at capital A-N-T-H-O-N-Y, capital D-E, capital V-I-T-O, underscore. Greg Stone can be reached at G-R-E-G-S-T-O-N-E, underscore, Brendan Ayer can be reached at AirBud. And you can find the Rad Dudecast on Libsyn at theraddudecast.libsyn.com. And Libsyn, again, is L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. All right, in the number three position. Now, here's a soundcast I was happy to be reminded of. It's called the Slash Filmcast, which is actually styled on iTunes as capital T-H-E and then a forward slash and then a capital F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. Then in parentheses, it says, a.k.a. the Slash Film Cast, where it's written out as a capital S-L-A-S-H, and then FilmCast all smushed together, by David Chen, Devendra Hardwar, and Jeff Kanata. Now, Jeff Kanata was on a video podcast that also had an audio component. That was my introduction to podcasting as far as something to regularly listen to in an area that I enjoyed. It was called The Totally Rad Show. He was co-hosted with Alex Albrecht and Dan Trachtenberg. The show is defunct, but you can still find episodes if you just Google it. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, in the description of the Slash Filmcast, it says, The Slash Filmcast is the official podcast of SlashFilm.com. In the Slash Filmcast, hardcore geeks, bloggers, and journalists, David Chen, Devendra Hardwar, and Jeff Kanata debate, pontificate, and delve into the latest films, film news, television shows, and entertainment-related items from the past week. Weekly guests include everyday bloggers, webmaster luminaries, and movie stars from all walks of life. This clip is from episode 511. It's The Matrix 20th Anniversary Retrospective. Wow. And their guest is David Sims from The Atlantic. The episode was released April 2nd, 2019, and in its description it says, It's been two decades since audiences chose the red pill and entered the science fiction world of The Matrix. The cast is joined by David Sims, film critic for The Atlantic, and co-host of Blank Check podcast to chase the white rabbit and discuss The Matrix's lasting impact on film culture today. Read David Sims' writing in The Atlantic on why a movie like The Matrix might never be made again, Mark Harris's piece in Vulture on how The Matrix built our reality-denying world, and Emily Sandalwood's article in Vox on how the film influenced her own trans experience. Huge
10: fan. Very influential movie, obviously. Um, and coming, you know, coming back to it, I'll just give like two to three high-level thoughts about my reactions. Number one, this movie gave so much to the culture, right? There are so many moments in this movie. There are so many moments that have become memes, right? So many elements of the style, right, from the, uh, the, the, the styles, obviously, but also the, like the martial also arts. The, the,
11: yep. the also, classic, the classic definition of meme <laughs> you know, it's, it, you use that term now, and it—I it, think it has a lot of baggage on it. It was a meme in the sense that it it lodged into the brains of yeah. of human culture, and not not in the sense that people forwarded it around and went "lol" at it.
10: You know? No, no, but it's well, I would say it's both, Jeff. I mean, there's many memes based on the Matrix, right? There's uh, literally like, what if I told you blank, blank, blank? Like, if you go to like meme generator or whatever, uh, there's several things on there that are screenshots from the matrix like the the morpheus meme uh neo going whoa uh switch saying not like this i mean there's like so many moments that people have like repeated on social media decades later and um so it's both it's both it's both that it was like a it lodged into the the memory but also that like literally it has become memes and i think that's a a testament to how memorable so many of the moments are the other thing is it's interesting to look back at this as the kind of um, uh, one vision of the future of AI, right? And we just saw, like Ex Machina was a movie that came out a couple of years ago, which also expressed kind of fears of AI. But this movie, which came out roughly around the time when I think many of us were still using dial-up modems at home, and uh, like I remember when I got to college and getting like a DSL line that was amazing, mm-hmm. right? I was like, I've never experienced internet this fast. Yeah,
12: this was pre broadband um,
10: for most. This is pre broadband, yeah. broadband, right? And so, and so, uh, the fear that people had of uh, AI and technology came in the form of machines like the Terminator, right? It was like, we we imagined that it would be like, we. it's not mm-hmm. like uh networked AI that's going to take down our power grid or anything. It's like literally physical devices that we're going to have to go to war against. Yeah. Uh, it's also,
12: and, by the way, it, it's kind of interesting seeing this vision of evil robots versus the Terminator, right? Because even Terminator 2, the idea of a global, you know, network yeah. that we're all plugged into And that is, you know, the uh, the veil in front of reality Uh, that would have been you couldn't even understand that back then. Like you needed the Internet. You need the concept of the Internet to even explain a movie like The Matrix and what they were trying to say.
11: Yeah. But I also feel like The Matrix rewatching it now, it feels like it could have been written today. Oh, yeah. It would still it would actually be more relevant because we're sort of dealing with that fear manifest. You know, people are actually writing articles about how. You know, maybe all this AI stuff that that the big tech companies are working on is maybe we should pump the brakes on some of that. You know,
12: guys, guys, people are talking about hacking the simulation of reality right now. You know, like I was at South by Southwest. George Hotz, uh, you know, Geo Hotz, a hacker famous for uh, cracking the iPhone and uh, PlayStation 3, I believe. He had a whole panel where he's just like, hey, guys, I think I'm going to I think we're going to try to crack reality. Uh, Let's see. Let's see where it goes. (laughs) And this is the thing people are talking about. It's just hilarious.
11: Yeah, Elon I mean, Musk is is saying, you know, saying that the probability of us actually living in a matrix is is high. You know, people <laughs> actually believe that's a possibility yeah. for real life.
12: It's a metaphor that has utility in
9: almost any. That's why it's so mm-hmm. good. It's like in this movie and in, and in the sequels, they sort of talk about it as like, well, do you feel depressed or like disconnected from reality? Well, the reason is that you're you you know you're actually sitting in a pod and, you know, the reality is fake and only you've realized that. But then like, like you guys are saying, you can use it now to be like, does reality itself seem like it's out of whack? Like, you know, like <laughs> yeah. do, do things like feel like they're happening in, in ways that are just like fully implausible? Like maybe it's just the you know the simulation is sort of like run out of scenarios and is yeah. lobbing anything at canada it's like it's such it's such a broad and useful metaphor for anything which is one reason i feel like it became so lodged in the culture
11: the yeah. the, the w- even though just the throwaway line about uh deja vu is is so powerful and has you know it's such a a enduring idea that that's a glitch in the matrix you know like yeah, there, there's a
10: subreddit called Glitch in the Matrix. You know, like it yeah. is, it is a thing that people repeat. This is what I'm talking about, memes, Jeff. Like it's, it's, it has become part yeah. of the meme culture as well. Um, the uh, Vulture did like a massive multi-article spread on the Matrix in February, mm-hmm. and the cover story was "The Matrix Built Our Reality-Denying World: The Movie That Gave Us uh, Gave All of Us a New Way to See or Reject Everything," written by Mark Harris. Uh, I'll link to it in the show notes. It's it's a great article, and it basically asserts what you guys have been saying, that uh, we live in a world where the president of the United States uh, yeah. is a conspiracy theorist, right? Like, I, I and, have to say, by right. the way,
12: like that, that's a great piece. I, I really enjoy Mark Harris's writing. Uh, Plato is like, I'm right here. I've been here for <laughs> thousands of years. What are you ah. talking about?
10: Uh fair enough. Fair enough. But yeah, I mean um we we live in a world where like our are presence conspiracy theorists, where like uh people talk about fake news and where there's like so many uh ways readily offered to reject reality. And the matrix kind of feels like it it foretold uh the modern era of doing that. So mm-hmm. um well, anyway. and,
11: and Vindra mentioned specifically the people who are most passionate about rejecting reality and finding conspiracy theories use the blue and red pill as their central metaphor for that.
12: Yeah. I mean, while totally missing the point of everything, but yeah,
11: yeah, exactly. It is. It's an Ouroboros, you know, it's, it's eating its own tail.
12: Yeah. I mean, it
10: is tragically ironic that, uh, you know, know, this uh, movie, which is created by two trans women. Uh, and uh, I, I think it was, I was reading on Vox that it's like the, probably the most, well-known and successful piece of art created by uh, transgender mm-hmm. people uh, yeah. is has been co- kind of co-opted in that way. And many people read The Matrix, in fact, as an uh, allegory for coming out as transgender. Uh, we're not going to get into that allegory too much on this podcast, because you know, I don't know that we're super well-versed or equipped to do so, but that is like kind of Part of the culture of this film is like that allegory and how really despicable forces have co-opted it. So mm-hmm. um, it is a shame, but uh, we, we can appreciate the movie as it was intended.
1: You can reach out to the show on Twitter at slash filmcast. That is at S-L-A-S-H-F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. David Sims can be reached at David L. Sims, D-A-V-I-D-L-S-I-M-S. David Chen at Dave Chensky. Which is D A V E C H E N S K Y, Devendra Hardawar at capital D E V I N D R A, Jeff Canada at J E F F C A N N A T A. You can email the slash filmcast at slash filmcast at gmail.com, and you can find all their podcast episodes at www.slashfilm.com.
0: This episode of Suckatash is sponsored in part by TrumpPoetry.com, a chronological ode to a fake muse. Enjoy a rhyming spin on the news of the day every day, as well as over 500 archived daily verses thoroughly covering the White House, America, and the world with a sticky caramel coating that's impossible to remove. That's T-R-U-M poetry.com. Everything you need to know in rhyming couplets. Trump poetry.
1: Yes, our fake sponsor, TrumpPoetry.com. So our two selections for the program are short, and they are from days that are back-to-back, starting with April 1st, 2019, uh, number 660. Oh no, here it is, April 1st. The timing is really the worst. While surrounded by goons, half-wits, and buffoons, it is for the wise fool that I thirst. And then from April 2nd, 2019, number 659. Disaster reliefs on the shelf. Thanks, McConnell, you fetid old elf. You find money for tanks, Israel, and the banks, but America can't help itself. Right? Right. All right, in the number four position, it is not a huge fan by Charles Disney. So yes, we got a clip from Charles Disney, a stand-up comedian who hosts not a huge fan. Yes, Charles Disney submitted his show through our Hightail site. With a little note that says, hello, our podcast, Not a Huge Fan, is not categorized under comedy, but I'm a stand-up comic, and we have a number of comedian guests, so sometimes it is funny. Attached is a clip from a popular episode from the end of last year. Thank you for supporting other podcasts. Sincerely, Charles. And thank you, Charles, for supporting this podcast, or Soundcast, with your contribution. For your information, his program is under Society and Culture. And as iTunes description reads, Be the first to know what's trending in pop culture and in the minds of Hollywood-obsessed youngsters with everyone's favorite entertainment news and talk show. Not a huge fan. Hot goss boss Isaac Simpson joins forces with celebrity dish Dr. Charles Disney to scoop steamy Hollywood gossip, dirty dark secrets, and hot takes on hot topics all combined in a sleek infotainment package you and your friends won't be able to stop listening to. Your syllab experts chit-chat about everything from relationships to who's in rehab this week and more. I don't know what episode this clip is from.
9: I was reflecting with some solemnity about the events of September 11th.
1: Oh, and, oh boy. I know where this is
12: going.
9: And uh, one thing that really helped me through it was the incredibly good mm. writing about September 11th. Amazing. That was taking place I love on when
12: people post about social 9/11.
9: media. Yeah, just, like, re- just
13: let me try and drum up some likes.
9: Right? Really yeah, meaningful. Right, po- no, right. Isaac, please. Why no, are you suggesting yeah. that these <laughs> 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 posts these aren't sincere? People,
12: these people are selfless. Yeah. yeah. They took really... the time to reflect. Yeah on our long national nightmare. Let me, okay? um, let me read
9: some of these to you. Yes. I, think, I think you'll find them as, as moving as I did. Here's one. I'm chronically late everywhere. I get it from my dad. He is never on time to anything. He used to take the path to World Trade Center every day and walk to work. On September 11th, 2001, he made it to work by 8.45 a.m., eight blocks down the road from World Trade Center. The lights flickered as he placed oh his newspaper God. on his desk. The nightmare of that day began. I'm glad he wasn't running late that day. I'm glad he made it home 12 hours later, covered in ashes of the city. I'm sorry for anyone whose families didn't make it home that day. My point is, go call your families. Hashtag never forget. Oh my lord. My my point is, go call your families when I begin the story by saying, I'm chronically late everywhere. Because this story is really about me. I don't even
13: understand
12: what happened. Was he late or not late? Yeah. Like, was <laughs> no? He was, was he was on time that day, right? Yes, I get the implication time, yeah. he was on time, but he was always late on other days. Well, but wouldn't it have been. But also, better? how wouldn't it been have been better gone, if he wouldn't on. have, have here, there? I'm glad he's key. late because I'm glad he's dead. No, now. the key here <laughs> is how far away from the World Trade Center he worked. Doesn't yeah. it say in eight that? blocks, eight, eight full blocks? So what the fuck difference would have made if he was late now?
9: None. Zero. So what
13: does lateness have to do with <laughs> Nothing. Entire... Again, it's to
9: <laughs> include this person in the no, story. No,
13: yeah, that, that was a very moving I to... piece. No, that's I'd right. like I'm to hear sorry. another one. It's like, let me justify, you know, writing this, you know, beautiful paragraph that, you know, evokes never forget let me get that hashtag in there just so people really you know maybe some other people they're writing
9: it out of selflessness to share their experiences not to get social media like this brings
12: this brings americans together here's another one can you be patriotic for a minute
9: so this person took a picture of their little son at the ground zero memorial and they posted he wasn't even born when it happened (laughs) (laughs) but whenever we visit new york we come here hashtag never forget (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's no I, I don't know why you're laughing it's uh, upsetting
12: to no me. Just, you're right I, I
13: just don't know what's most sadder the fact that people are so blind to their ridiculous need for social media attention or the fact that people are so desperate to like cling to anything meaningful that has ever happened because we just don't have that shit anymore that they're just like willing to get all emotional about this, like... Well, don't you think so people,
12: uh, people just want to be part of a narrative? I mean, it's know? just, like,
13: think about people in the Middle East where it's, like, 9-11 happens just, like, weekly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, and they're like sitting here being, like, this thing happened so long ago for five seconds, so far away from most of you, and, you know, you're just still, like, trying to grind whatever meaning you can out of it because, like, your lives are so vapid and meaningless, you know? Right.
12: They just go to you know, Bed Bath & Beyond. Yeah, I right. I, I disagree Buy with you stuff. guys. I
9: think these are really sincere. Okay. And Maybe then should, this is, are I so think this is the, the best the the one. Most touching oh, the most touching yeah, one. You know. okay. And I think um, this will turn you guys okay. onto my side. I cried all night and I called in sick the next day after actual 9-11 so I could keep crying. Many Angelinos couldn't oh relate God. to my distress <laughs> because New York City was more of an idea to them than a real place. <laughs> I looked at the World Trade Center every day for six oh years. Oh, my Lord. I worked please, a couple of temp jobs in the World Trade Center <laughs> in 1998 and 1999. <laughs> my coworkers from the third floor probably made it. The oh. ones on the 99th floor with the spectacular view of the Statue of Liberty did not.
12: Ugh. Sometimes,
9: oh, oh, wait, this is, this is where... I'm
12: upset. Obs- I'm crying.
9: This is where Somebody it all get gets pulled Kleenex. together. Wait, wait, wait. Sometimes on my lunch break, I would lay on the ground between the towers to look up between them. It gave me the sensation of infinity. (laughs) Time would stop, and my heart would leap from my chest to shoot up into the heavens.
13: Oh, is there a hashtag?
0: Wow, that's the end of the
12: podcast. <laughs> we shouldn't be hurting people. <laughs> no, nice.
13: Um, look, I don't want to sit here and be such crass assholes that we're like, you know, just giggling at these ridiculous fools on Facebook I who do. are trying to generate some self attention from this horrible event. It's just like, I, I do get kind of like tingles from hearing these things, but it's like, I shouldn't. Those are douche chills. It's douche chills. It's yes. like unfair frission. It's like, <laughs> stop. You shouldn't be allowed to do that. Right. That one was so pathetic because it was like, I, I, <laughs> other people don't get it, but I
9: really I do get because it. I was not there, but I
13: was
1: I, a temp I, I was in 1998. Yeah. 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 I was a temp in 98. <laughs> and I knew all about it. And it I, I knew everything about it. All right, you can reach Charles Disney on Twitter at Funzaroni, which is F-U-N-Z-A-R-O-N-I. Isaac Simpson does not appear to be on Twitter, but if you go to IsaacSimpson.com, that is I-S-A-A-C-S-I-M-P-S-O-N.com, you will definitely find him because uh, he's the only Isaac Simpson at IsaacSimpson.com, and you will find links to Not A Huge Fan as well. That's how I was able to confirm this. And you can also find Not A Huge Fan at nahf.podbean.com or at funzaroni.com. And once again, funzaroni is f-u-n-z-a-r-o-n-i.com. And our final clip for the evening is from Hot Boxing with Mike Tyson. By Mike Tyson. Its description reads, Listen, as the baddest man on the planet pours his soul into conversations with fascinating minds, celebrities, and athletes in a studio full of smoke. Along with his cosmic millennial sidekick, former NFLer, even Britton, Kid Dynamite dives deep into the issues impacting us all today. This show will change the way you see the world. That's a great description. Um, the clip is from an episode featuring Joey Diaz, released March 5th, 2019, and its description says, Outrageous comedian and actor Joey Diaz from The Longest Yard and The Degenerates on Netflix stops by Tyson Ranch. For this hilarious episode of Boxing with Iron Mike and Big Ebb. Or is it Big Ebb or Big Eeb Eben? Big Eeb, Big Ebb? Big Eeb, Not sure. I'm sure somebody will tell me at some point in the future. In this Laugh Out Loud episode, the fellas dive into growing up in New York City, making the most out of life behind bars, and how good it feels to be here to tell the tale. Be sure to check out Joey Deese's podcast, The Church of What's Happening Now. Yes, and I've definitely clipped that on dash before. Perhaps not during my tenure as host, but uh, fairly recently. Has to be within the last two years.
6: I was born in New York in 87. St. Vincent's. Yeah. Lived in
2: Brooklyn. Brooklyn, Brooklyn with Atlantic Slope. Avenue. Uh,
6: we were on 14th, or 12th <coughs> Street between yeah. 8th Avenue and Prospect Park.
14: I know that place. I Man. was already gone. I was doing time. Wow. In 87. Wow. No, 87 was when I got in trouble. Everybody was doing time in 87 and
15: 80. In the 80s, everybody was <laughs>
14: locked up. Hey, man, you wow. know, you make mistakes. And
15: Everybody was and, locked and up. And
14: the, the funny 80s. thing is Monday I posted the picture of the guy I kidnapped in 1987. He came to my show this past weekend in Tucson. Wow. I've been in touch with him for about five years. I apologized to him like a man. It was a drug rip, Mike. It was, uh, he had two kilos of coke. And I was young, I was stupid, you know, and uh, I made a mistake. And with another guy, and we fucked up, and I did, you know, he didn't even testify, Mike. He didn't even testify. The other guy, my partner in it, testified against me. And then I plea bargained to zero to six. The judge gave me four with a, and Courtney told me to fucking come back in 120 days and if I behaved myself, he reduced my sentence when so they cut it to community corrections. And that's the hardest thing I went through. Prison ain't hard; it's that community corrections. That's how they hang you, cause you can't do make shit. One mistake. You make you can't be in a bar. Your your life is six to six. You know, basically, you have to live under a strict life. And even then, like I said, I was. And prison. if your
15: friend's a felon, he better walk right by you. He better yeah, slap you can't, can't five. talk to
14: him. You can't. Yeah, you better uh, not say, "Hey man, I'm glad to see
15: He Better just walk right by you.
14: It's a hard life at that point. But you know what, man? I did it. I paid my debt to yeah. society. You know, I got divorced. I fucking lost everything. I started again. And the only thing that I could think of was comedy. And I just wanted to be a regular comedian. I wanted to hide. And I ended up in Los Angeles. And the next thing you know, I was like Richard Gere in an Office of the Gentleman. I had nowhere else to go. Yeah. Mitzi Shaw, God rest his soul, gave me spots, spots, spots then a the dude Joe Rogan I put he came into my life and he taught me how to be a professional, you know? And uh here we are. 27 motherfucking years later. Comedy saved my life. Amazing. You, ever, you ever
15: think about doing residencies in, like Vegas or anything?
14: I just did Treasure Island Friday yeah, awesome. and it was tremendous. I really liked them. I did the South Point before. They were very nice also. But it's time to, you know, move on up a little bit. I'm 56. I got one foot in the grave, one a banana peel. I got really? a lot of life left in me, <laughs> dog. I got a lot of life left in me. So I still do my little every two weeks on the road. I got the podcast. I I, I got the kid. I got to talk to you about something real quick. I taped my kid. You know, I'm Cuban, and Cubans are very proud of their boxes. So uh, I taped my kid hitting the mitts, uh-huh. and I sent it to my uncle. He's 80. And my uncle came back. He goes, you tell that fucking teacher of hers. That we're distant cousins of kid chocolate, yeah,, right? so I know that part of your fucking uh genius. Is that you watched a lot of tape? There ain't nobody that can tell you a story about a fight. His name is Eligio Sardinas. Sardinia, Sardinia, yeah. compadre. Sardinia. You know what Sardinia means in Spanish? No, Spanish, a Spanish uh, name, but That's from Spain. Yeah, right? that's yeah. No, means uh, uh, what? Are those things that you eat in prison? Sardine. Sardines. 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 Yeah. yeah. So Sardinia, yeah, kid chocolate. Sardinia. When you're in New York, and I was, and I lived in a, uh, in Union City, is the second biggest. Cuban population in the country, a big shout-out to Lucio Fernandez. And uh, when before you got into a fight when you were Cuban, the first thing you told the motherfuckers, listen, before we box, I just want you to know, my cousin's Kid Chocolate. Really? It <laughs> a- no, no. But it's a fucking island. We're all yeah. cousins. I did the 23 nah, I, and me. I, I mean, I'm 40% <laughs> African. What the but, fuck? But I'm
15: just saying that the fact that he was that popular, <laughs> Kid was, Chocolate. Really, he was that,
14: that popular. Yeah, I
15: remember. I watched a lot of films about him. That's why I knew his How name. How good was one. he? He was magnificent. Did he really fight 25 times in one year? I Listen, I wouldn't doubt it. Listen, he had 100 amateur fights in Cuba, and he was undefeated with like 85 knockouts. Is that true?
14: They said they redid it. The historian went in. No, and he, um, he only had 50 did, knockouts. Let me tell you something about Kid Hit, Chocolate. Drop it on me. I'm fucking something about Kid Chocolate.
15: It's not some things, are not something. Kid Chocolate was very promiscuous, you know. And they, um, he fought like he had a lot of disease, like venereal diseases and stuff. I believe that's how he, that probably he got sick and stuff. He got sick from venereal diseases and stuff. These are the legends that I wrote, that I read and stuff. And I saw and I saw pictures of him. Um, I believe it was um what what year was it? It was something happened to you. Um, I, I watched it and told him, um and I think after I'm gonna look on YouTube and see. They showed pictures of him in Cuba, like in the 80s, like in 80, 84, 88, something to that effect. And he was he was just old, broken down man. But he was a magnificent fighter. He was so inspirational for fighters like Archie Moore, Henry Armstrong, because when they saw him fight, he was um. He made more money than the heavyweights. He made like $100,000 a fight in one particular fight or something like that. And that's why he was so popular. Everybody just loved him. Everybody, he, they made songs, um, wasn't going to make songs about him. Um, Count Basie did songs about um, Kid Chocolate and stuff. He was just a magnificent um sensation when he came to America.
14: He moved to New York? And he yeah, he
15: was awesome. He was from awesome. Panama, Al Brown and all those guys. He was just magnificent. It's just that he had got sick.
14: Did you watch a lot of tape on him and study I him?
15: Everything that he got, I watched him fight Fidel, Della Barba. I watched him fight all those guys that um he had. Fight. He was a magnificent fighter, man. Kid, um, he fought Tony Canter-Neri. He fought all these guys. He had listen. He had uh, probably 150 fights, pro fights. Great fighter, very sensational fighter, very popular fighter, one of the most popular fighters. And they had people name, name themselves after him, too.
14: Right, you right. Know, it's such
15: a Kid Chocolate, Big Kid Chocolate, Chocolate, this
14: and that. Sidinius.
15: Awesome when, um, when Castro took over, he was a very wealthy guy, Kid Chocolate, but he took
14: everything. And he died in Cuba,
15: correct? Yeah, Castro he, took everything? He was wealthy. Yeah, He had money. And Castro took all the property and all the cash out of the bank. You know, they turned, they were communists, so I guess— that was basically...
14: They had to shut it down. Yeah. It's funny how many uh, venereal diseases. When Columbus went to Cuba, he brought back, like he took something, He brought then he went back, and what they brought back was sugar and syphilis. Yeah, mm. I would
15: see, the room was where the cut Cuba was a
14: big syphilis fucking yeah. hotbed. Interesting. You know, I tested hot for syphilis a few times, no biggie. <laughs> I moved on, fuck it. Doing all right. No, nah, I'm doing all right. There. I never
15: kissed no fucking syphilis.
1: You can reach out to the show on Twitter at Hot Boxing Podcast. That is H O T B O X I N P O D C A S T. Joey Diaz can be reached on Twitter at Mad Flavor. That is M A D F L A V O R. Evan or Evan Britton can be reached at EDS Britain. That is E D S B R I T T O N. Mike Tyson can be reached at Capital M I K E Capital T Y S O N. The Hotboxing Podcast is at hotboxingpodcast.com. And yes, it was found on Laughable. It's also on YouTube, where it is listed uh, with a apostrophe on the end. And before we go, indeed before I give my ending spiel, we're going to end tonight with our second burst of Durst from March twenty eighth, 2019, Prime POTUS Pitch in which our intrepid correspondent wiggles with excitement over the hurling of a horse hide.
2: Hey guys, Will Durst here to say forget the tulips. Ignore the robin. Do not let the hummingbirds, awakening bears, or egg-coloring kits on sale in the grocery store fool you. The date of the vernal equinox, which was a week or two ago, doesn't matter a whit, because the true beginning of spring is that bright and shiny day that baseball season starts. There's your rebirth, boys. The slate has been wiped clean and anything is possible. This is next year. Although it seems the president might disagree with that sentiment. In lieu of throwing out the first pitch at the Nationals' home opener, Donald J. Trump encouraged his newly appointed attorney general to throw out the First Amendment instead. Nobody knows why the Oval Office Oompa Loompa refuses to drive the 2.9 miles from the White House to Nationals Park. It's not like he has to do it every game. Once a year. That's what presidents do on opening day. Since William Howard Taft in 1910. 109 years ago. They don't call it the American pastime for nothing, you know. I bet if Vladimir Putin asked, he'd do it. Kim Jong-un? Oh yeah, sure. Hell, FDR did it from a wheelchair, for Crumb's sake. It's not like he has a candy-ass arm, either. In 2004, he landed a Trump helicopter in the middle of center field and threw out the first pitch at a Somerset Patriots game, throwing a pretty damn good high fastball. Hell, if Kurt Schilling had thrown that pitch, it would have been called a strike. Is President Snowflake afraid fans are going to boo him? Everybody likes baseball. Even ogres and trolls and troglodytes like baseball. And yes, that includes George Will. On this end, we're picking the San Francisco Giants to go all the way. Hey, a uh, guy can dream, can't he? For Suckatash, the comedy Soundcast soundcast, I'm Will Durst. Play ball!
1: Go to willdurst.com, that's W-I-L-L-D-U-R-S-T, to find the Will Durst Journal which is comedy for people who read or know somebody who does. And you can reach out to him on Twitter at Will Durst. Right? Right. And there it went. One more episode of Suckatash, the Comedy Soundcast, soundcast in the archive at www.suckatashshow.com, where you can hear past episodes of the show featuring original host, now executive producer, Mark Herschon, planting and tending to the crops that would grow to yield this current and also aforementioned soundcast. I'd like to, again, thank Darren Staley and Dylan Brody of Dylan Brody's Neighbors Couch Revisited, or DBNCR, as I will think of it from here on out, and Charles Disney of Not A Huge Van for taking time out of their day to send me content to help a fellow soundcaster out. It's a pretty big deal, and I appreciate it. Well, it's late, or at least it was when I wrote this, and I must try to capture sleep when I can. I apologize if some of these recent episodes have been more than two weeks apart, as was my original goal, my current goal is to have episodes for you that post two weeks apart, when it works out that way. At any rate, I'll shoot for more often than not. I do enjoy making this program, and I appreciate your kindness, patience, and support. Thank you again for listening, and if I could, might I intrude upon your kindness the teensiest bit more and ask you to please pass the succotash? You've been listening to
0: Suckatash Clips, the comedy soundcast soundcast with your host Tyson Sainer. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuckatashShow.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher, Smart Radio, on SoundCloud, on YouTube, on Dunder, on Blitzen, on iHot Radio, and on <laughs> a laughable app. You can hear us streaming and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Suckatash Show. Email us at TysonSaner at SuckatashShow.com. Or call into the Suckatash Hotline at our toll call number, 818-921-7212. The number again is 818-921-7212. You can also upload clips from your favorite comedy soundcasts directly to us by using our direct upload link at hightail.com slash you slash Suckatash. Production of Suckatash is overseen by Joe Paulino through the auspices of piece, Sausalito, hosted by Tyson Sainer. Our executive producer is Mark Hershon. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Turgis. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the succotash.
2: Goodbye.